You know, we're in uh, this series of walking through Ecclesiastes, and uh, it's part of the, the wisdom literature of the, the Bible, um, and largely what the author is doing is, is saying, as he looks around uh, the world, he looks at everything under the sun, everything that he can see and observe and understand, that, that all of that is says, uses the word in our um, translation, vanity. It's all vanity. And, and by vanity, it means it's, it's futile. You know, it's meaningless. That um, really, um, it's hopeless. Uh, same word, the word vanity, the same word we use, uh, translated like smoke or vapor. You know, so it's something that you can see, but it really has no substance. And uh, some would say um, that worshiping God is like that. You know, that it's a a waste of time. Uh, That it's only going after stuff that we um, make up in our own minds. There is no God uh, to worship and that it is a waste of time. One of my favorite uh, um, uh, authors um, about worship, Marva Dawn, has a great title for her book, um, Worship, A Royal Waste. Of time, uh, but what uh, um, in our just what I've experienced, you know, in, in our city in the last two weeks, man, there's a whole lot that's going on that has almost direct bearing, direct illustration of, of what Ecclesiastes is saying. I mean, on the one hand, you know, the fact that you look around, around you, and the, and the uh, Ecclesiastes is saying, man, you know, it is meaningless, it's hopeless. You know, and the events of the last two weeks with Officer Tensing and Mr. DuBose and now Officer uh, Tensing, who's a University of Cincinnati public safety officer, has been charged with murder, with killing Mr. DuBose, who he pulled over for not having a front license tag. And things escalated, obviously, from there. Now he's charged with murder. And we could look at that, and, and it fits, it fits the, the story that's been the common theme over the last several years and actually over decades and centuries. You know, white officer with power then shoots and kills black man without who's unarmed. And it fits in that and, and you know hands can go up and have and say, this is meaningless. You know, this is hopeless. How are we going to ever address these kind of situations. That would feed right into what Ecclesiastes says he sees as he looks around. But one of the heroes of this week has been the mother, in my opinion, has been the mother of the deceased, Miss Audrey DuBose who actually has demonstrated um, in the last two weeks how worshiping God, and I don't mean worship just when we gather here or singing songs or praying together, that, that's part of it, but I mean worshiping God as a way of life, that she's demonstrated living that in the midst of what could be certainly meaningless and hopeless for her in the death of her son. 
don't know if you saw that you can see it on YouTube a press conference where she spoke just this last week. And her first words were an quoting or actually reciting Psalm 93 in the old King James Version. And she, she recites that effortlessly. It's like she's saying it as words that are her own. I can barely do that and memorize a passage and do that with y'all. I can't imagine doing that in front of the whole city with a camera in your face and a microphone next to your mouth. But what, what she demonstrates in, in, in her statements is how in the midst of fear and loss and pain... In the sense of of what is indeed meaningless to a mother who's just lost her son, that her what is meaningful to her, what brings life to her, is not the circumstances of her life, as great or terrible as they might be, but a living relationship with the living God. Just the first words of the the ninety third psalm. The Lord is king. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He is girded with strength. He has established the world. It shall never be moved. Your throne is everlasting from of old. You are from everlasting. That is her anchor that she demonstrates and and shows how, and what we'll see in in Ecclesiastes, how absolutely crucial worship in terms of a relationship with the living God. A humble relationship with the Almighty Creator is essential for meaning and purpose in life. It was interesting. Um, uh, on the, the, the YouTube site, there were, uh, after the, you could watch the, the video, then there were comments after, and I never uh, I think I can count on one hand the time that I make a comment on something like that. I just don't find it usually very useful. Um, and don't find the uh, conversation um, that ensues from that as something that's uh, meaningful. I guess you could say I'm a Ecclesiastes about those kind of things. But I did find myself commenting there because I was so moved... Um, and also moved by what she did and moved by what other people said because they were naysayers. And they said, you know, why are you calling on God now? Where was God in your son's car? Some of the things that were said. Truly saying, worship is a waste of time. I mean, that's what they were saying. You're wasting your time quoting the 93rd Psalm. And I I had to respond to that and say, I, just, I find it beautiful that she found comfort from the written word of God in the midst of such loss and grief. And who better to comfort her in the loss of her son in an unjust way than God, the Father, who in the ultimate injustice of the world had his son die on the cross for us. Mr. Bose has demonstrated for us just what is meaningful 
what is the best way to spend our time being anchored in God in the midst of a lot of things that can be very meaningless. Our writer Ecclesiastes finds the same thing um, in chapter 5, starting with uh, verse 1. It's found on page 539 on your, in the Pew Bible, or you can follow along on the screen. And just, you know, there's... What you see as we walk through Ecclesiastes, there are, he goes off saying, looking at all the things that are meaningless, the things that are vain, the things that have no purpose. And then, like we did last week, we saw you know, what has purpose, what brings purpose are our relationships with one another. And now, today, in the, the longest of these, he says, now what has purpose and meaning is for us to humbly submit to our almighty Creator. And as we'll see, he's going to really highlight the, the holiness and righteousness, the otherness of God. What we would call the transcendence of God. Not the, the intimacy of God, but the holiness and otherness of God. And our place under the lordship, the, the leadership of our Creator. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank You for Your written Word. Now, speak to us during this time. Um, Awaken us to to ways that we are just goofing off with You instead of seriously following after You. Uh, Awaken us to ways that maybe we take You for granted. Uh, Awaken us to ways that maybe we pay lip service to you. We know the right words, but that's as far as it goes. Show that to us so that we might truly find our anchor in you, that we might be rooted in you, that we would be about what is meaningful and is eternal. Speak to us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Chapter 5, Ecclesiastes, verse 1. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than the sacrifice offered by fools, for they do not know how to keep from doing evil. Never be rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be quick to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you upon earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For dreams come with many cares, and a fool's voice with many words. There's a place to come before God and be quiet. To let silence be our guiding action so that we might listen. Now, there's, there's also a place, as we've read earlier in Ecclesiastes, there's a place also to sing and to dance. There's also a place to be silent. And what Ecclesiastes has found is the significance and importance of being silent before God. And that often we humans 
fill our time with noise and hurry. And we major on the action. And we ignore the time of reflection and being still and being quiet before God. To, to focus on who God is. And there's a place to, to be in touch with what's going on in the world, as we've already talked about. There's a, t- there's a place to be in touch with how I'm feeling. But now is not that time. Now is a time to put those things aside and say, let me get in touch with what is real. I mean, how I feel will change in 30 minutes. What's going on in the world, as we can see, it will change moment by moment. But there is a time and a place that we need to sit and be quiet, to guard our feet, to close our mouths. And to listen to what God might be saying to us. God is not fleeting. As Ms. DuBose demonstrated and shared with us, God is the solid rock. The one who is in his character, in his essence, unchanging. And we have to work be silent, to listen, to engage with God, to seek Him so that we are anchored in Him above all else. And that's why when we do gather and we want to sing our songs to God and about God, it's why we have times of silence and confession. And as we gather around the table, there'll be a lot of time for introspection. You know, don't waste that time by planning out the afternoon. Don't don't waste that time by by thinking about the the week ahead. Spend that time in eternity. Listening. Waiting upon God. Being still before Him. Reflecting on His Word. Wrestling with Him. There there might be mad at Him. With Him. Spend that time listening, waiting for His word of correction. I mean, there's nobody here. I mean, one of the the hard things about gathering in in worship services like this, this is sort of like a, a lecture hall or a movie theater or a concert. And you know, when we go to those kind of things, often we go in order to evaluate those things. You know, we don't go to those things. We're not, we're not trained to gather in these kind of places in order to be evaluated. But that's what Ecclesiastes is saying. No, you go in. You be quiet. You listen. He's God. He's the one who is good and righteous and pure. And you're not. So the place where change needs to happen is not in God, but in you. But if you come in order to put yourself as the evaluator, then you've missed the whole point. You then have indeed wasted the time. So 
Guard your steps. Guard your mouths. You know, don't let the dreams just go crazy. Now, we'll talk about that real soon. I mean, there is action, but don't let the dreams take off because he says, you know, dreams are filled with busyness and a whole bunch of words. Words, words, words. That's good correction for a preacher, isn't it? We can fill it with words. He says, no, you be quiet and hear God's word. So that indeed your dreams are formed by God's dreams. Yeah, so that we get that order correct. Um, you know, because often we, I and I find others often... We seek God's blessings instead of God. Now, I want God's blessings for my plans and my dreams instead of seeking God to hear His dreams and plans. And to be silent and listen Set aside all else just to simply to hear, to receive from God in the moment of the silence, in the moment of hearing from His written word or His spirit within me. Then in verse 4, He moves from that time of silence, guarding your feet, Guarding your mouths, guarding your whole soul, your, your whole demeanor before God. He says, now let's talk about actions. Verse 4. When you make a vow to God, do not delay fulfilling it. For He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin. And do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your words and destroy the work of your hands? With many dreams come vanities and a multitude of words. But fear God. So, so yeah, there is a place of action. There is a place of responding. I mean, in a real simple way, the first part... You know, Stop. Listen to God. What's God saying to you? Now the second part, now what are you going to do about it? But be sure that it's what you're doing about it, not just what you're talking about. Yeah, it, can, it's, it can be real easy, and it sort of paints the picture here, for, for those that are gathered to be about what they're talking about. Yeah, they got all kinds of good God language. You know, they can, can sing the songs and, and, and jump and shout or with four-part harmony and all the rest. But if it doesn't translate to worship in everyday life at 1230 or 1245, given that we have communion, what does it matter? It's then been a waste of time. It can be emotionally charged. It can be absolutely beautiful with everything in tune in four-part harmony. Just gorgeous. But if it doesn't translate, if it's just vows that we sing really without meaning, 
I mean, you can almost hear Ecclesiastes saying, then don't sing. If it's not about you singing these vows to put yourself in the place so that you're obeying what God is saying, then don't waste your time singing. This word here, I mean, it, this is a challenging word here. This is a wake-up call. This is one of those passages that is, that is a warning. This is about as close as I get to hellfire and brimstone. But that's what this one is. He's like, listen, this isn't about you. This is about you submitting to the way of God and everything else is destruction and a waste of time. Don't be flippant about your relationship with God. Don't don't be nonchalant about it. And push comes to shove in the full of eternity. What is more important than your walk with God? call to slow down. It's a call to live slowly and speak even slower. Make obedience before God and worship before God our our whole life journey so that we are anchored into what is meaningful. This is the good news here. And this is a challenging word. But it's good news because what God wants us to do is be anchored into what is meaningful. What Ecclesiastes is finding is that you, he's trying to help us out. Listen, there's nothing else out there that is meaningful. But if you anchor to God, if you sit before Him, that we know is eternal. He is the one we know that is meaningful. As I said, this, this is about the transcendence of God versus what we call the imminence of God. I know, those are two great words that you don't use anywhere else um, but in theology. But transcendence means the holiness of God, the otherness of God. That God is like no other. That with God's word, He said, let there be light. And there was light. He, He is so honest that what He says, every word He says happens. Now, is that not scary for you and me? Wouldn't it be scary if every word we said happened? Every thought we had happened? Whoa, that'd be atrocious. Man. But God's character is so real that every thought, which is His word, happens. Doesn't just maybe happen, it happens. That's how transcendent God is so other than us. And He is pure. And we are sinners. We are broken. We are fallen. Selfish beings. Again, that's, that's the transcendence. We talk a lot about the eminence of God too. That's the intimacy of God. That God is with us. But we ought to know, understand the transcendence, just how far apart God is from us, how much other God is than us, to understand just what Jesus did when He hung on the cross. It wasn't a bridge across the Ohio. I mean, it was a bridge across eternity. So that we might indeed be intimate and call our Creator, the Pure One, our Heavenly Father. Now, again, you might look at this and say, Woo, that's that Old Testament stuff, isn't it? 
Uh, Old Testament holiness of God, you know, that, um, you know, that God is, is going to get us if we, we do wrong. I'm like, oh, no, that's wrong on every count. It's wrong. First of all, God's not, it's not, there's no Old Testament God that's going to get us for doing wrong. There's an Old Testament God that loves us, who's righteous and pure, and wants, has created us to be righteous and pure with Him, and knows that that's what leads to what is meaningful, and wants us to be into what is meaningful and what is eternal. Does, didn't create us to waste our time. But to give our lives to what is of purpose and meaning and eternal significance. And it's not just in the Old Testament. Straight from the words of Jesus, Matthew 7, verse 21. Oh, we'll read it from the screen. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. See, right here even. He says, you can know the right language. You can say the right things, but that's not what it means to follow me. That's not what it means to be my brothers and sisters, to be children of God. You can say, Lord, Lord, but you might be lying that Jesus really isn't your Lord. But only, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, in the kingdom, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven as it translates into their lives. That demonstrates that Jesus is indeed Lord and Savior. Turn to the next slide. Thanks. On that day, it means the day when all is made right, when Jesus returns. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do many deeds of power in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me, you evildoers. There's never a passage that focuses... This is about a living relationship with the living God. It's not about making grand plans and accomplishing them. God might do that through us. And and praise be to His name if that be the case. But what this is about is us walking with the living God. Not about doing grand things. It's about doing God's things. Ecclesiastes is realizing, man, we plan, we put things together, and it, it might happen, but if it's not tied in with the eternal God of the universe, then it is a waste of time. So, so my prayer for us during this, this time now is just as we come to the table and, and communion is, and, and, and prayer stations and all the rest and have some time of reflection and, and maybe even during this time, God has either he's, he's somehow nudged you. He's somehow engaged you. He's awakened you, one, to how you right now are flourishing with Jesus. And, it, and it's, you just wake up in the morning with psalms on your lips. And, and, and if that's the case, praise Him and ride that wave as long as you can. Let the Holy Spirit just continue to carry you as long as you can and know that is a gift from God. Or, or maybe that this is a wake-up call to say, you know, I've been playing with God, just sort of fiddling with God. 
It's not that he's the Lord of my life. He's the Lord of maybe some parts of my life. And I really like him to come in and bring me what I want. And, you know, and that's nice. But, you know, I'm not interested in opening up to God because things are pretty comfortable right now. So I got just enough of God that I need. And if I need more, I'll let you know. Yeah, that very easy, especially the more affluent we are, that we buffer ourselves because of our busyness, because of our comfort, creaturely, earthly comforts. And, and man, that's dangerous. And that, that is where God convicted me. You know, you need to do a hellfire and brimstone every once in a while. Because if you're not, then you're not proclaiming the whole of my counsel to my people. And you're not doing your job, what I've called you to do. And it's just for your own good. That's to, to fear God. That's what he says at the end. You know, the very end says, fear God. And it's not a, a fear, it's an, a shaking, scared fear. You know, because John says, you know, perfect love casts out all fear. So it's not that fear that we're running from God because we're scared of Him. No, we're running to God because we fear Him in that reverential, awe, marveling way that He is greater we can ever imagine or think that is beyond our wildest dreams. So we run to Him in fear. You know, fear is that, you know, we don't, and we don't fear death, you know, we don't, we don't react to death, we don't fear bullets, we don't react to bullets or swords or armies, I mean, that's what the psalm says, over and over again, we don't fear, those. we're not reacting, those. we're not living from those or for those, we fear God, our reactions are based upon our relationship with God, or so that's what we long to live for. That's what it means to, to fear, to have a, a healthy reverence and humility before God. It means that there's times in that reverential humility that we need to stop and be still and be quiet and guard our feet and close our mouths so that we might hear from the one who is our almighty creator. And so that we, like Miss DuBose, no matter what circumstances surround us, will find ourselves anchored to the one who is truth and life and love. Amen.